and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Uh, we found out um, two weeks ago and building up to where we are today that in Christ, being on the cross, we find our victory. Amen. Amen. Uh, we found out that Jesus paid uh, the full price for us on the cross. As he was on the cross, and we, re- we discovered that all the strokes of all the things that were tormenting us, all the things that came about into our lives as a result of the sin in the garden, went into Jesus' body on the cross. And he shouted, it is finished. And we say that word, it is, uh, the phrase it is finished, in the Greek is tetelestai, which means paid in full. Amen? Amen. So Jesus did not make a, a, a deposit for you to make monthly installments. No, Jesus paid the price in full. What did he pay the price in full of, uh, for? For sin. Amen? We discovered that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ as a gift. What did he pay for? Condemnation. We no longer have to go into God's presence with any sense of guilt, inferiority, or just, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, just a mindset of uh, sin consciousness. We can go into the presence of God boldly. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us therefore go how? boldly, someone say boldly, Boldly. into the throne room of grace where we can obtain help in times of need. Amen? Amen. So we can go now into the presence of God boldly. What else went into his body? Poverty. Jesus paid for your prosperity in full. Amen? What else went into his body? The curse. So that you and I might become blessed as children of Abraham. Amen? Amen? Now, let us go to John 3.16 as we continue this series. Man, the gospel is power. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.16? He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel is what? The power of God unto righteousness. Amen? Amen? So, when the gospel is taught, it releases the power of God. When the gospel is taught, it releases a life-transforming power of God. I was at the uh, uh, studios recording some of my episodes uh, just this past week. And when I finished recording the second one, and basically I was teaching what we've been teaching the past two weeks. When I finished teaching the second one, the people who were editing in the control room and the person who was you know, handling the camera with me in the studio came to me and they said, Man, where does your church meet? I'm coming to church. See, you don't have to have gimmicks. You don't have to spray doom. You don't have, all you have to do is preach the gospel. Amen? All you have to do is preach the gospel. Why? Because the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God. So when the gospel is preached, it releases the power of God. And this is the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus paid the price that you were supposed to pay for you. And he paid it in full. Amen? 
John 3, 16 in the Amplified, please. We all know what it says in the New King James, uh, uh, James Version. I want you to see it in the Amplified. This is what it says. It says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that He even gave up His only begotten, unique Son so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on who? Him. Notice it didn't say whoever trusts in, clings on, and relies on his own efforts. Do you see it? He says whoever trusts in Him, whoever puts their trust in the finished work of cross, what will happen to them? Watch what he says. They shall not perish or come to destruction or be lost, but have what? Eternal life. They will have the Zoe life. They will have the God kind of abundant living that is way above the torments of this world. Even sin, Romans says in 6, 4, uh, Romans 6.14, he says even sin will no longer have dominion over you. Even sin will no longer control you. Now watch what it says, next verse. For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, and to pass a sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through who? I want you to see something here, how this verse starts. It says for who? Did you see it? You know, I used to think that um, God was angry at us. He was mad at the world. And then Jesus came to make peace between us and God. No, no, no. God has always been in love with you. And it is Him who made the plan for Jesus to come. Do you see it? God has always been affectionately in love with you. He's always been compassionate about you. He's always in love with you. And this is why... He is the one who sent His one and only begotten Son so that justice could be served. Not on you, but on His Son. You know why? Because God is a just God. So someone had to pay for your sin. Someone had to pay for the, uh, what Adam did, gave up the authority and so on and so forth and brought death into the world. Someone had to pay for it. And guess who paid for it? His own one and only begotten Son. One and only unique Son. So that you and I could find peace with God. Next verse. Watch what it says. Next verse. I love it. He who believes in who? In Him, Jesus. He who clings to, trusts in, relies on Him, is not judged. You are not condemned. Why? Because you put your trust in the finished work of the cross. But he who does not put his trust in Him will be judged. Amen? So, people are not going to go to hell for their individual sins. Notice from verse 16 all the way to verse 18, it didn't even say anything about you, personally. This is a deal taking place between God and Jesus, and all you have to do is to put your trust that that deal was, uh, uh, what do you say, uh, lawyers, when a, deal, when a contract is, is, is legal. That, that deal... Is binding. See, a lot of people are looking at that deal and they don't think it's binding. 
They don't think the contract is, is enough for them to receive salvation. So what do they do? They try to save themselves. This is why Christianity is the only, only religion that is a savior. All the other religions, people are trying to save themselves. <laughs> and they never get to it. You know why? Because they're not putting their trust in the legal uh, a covenant which is binding that Jesus made with God. Watch this. On your behalf. He says he who puts in. He who trusts in him. Never comes up for judgment. For him there is no rejection. Someone shout I am not rejected. rejected. No condemnation. Someone shout I am not condemned. condemned. You know what that means? When they go to a building and it's dilapidated. And so on and so forth. They condemn that building. That is no longer fit for use. Someone shout not me. I am fit for use. See, some of you have gone through some crazy stuff. And all the time, the enemy comes and whispers into you. You're not fit for use. Look at you. Look at what you did. No, the contract, the covenant, had nothing to do with what I have done. So I am not rejected. And I am not condemned. And watch what he says. He incares no damnation. Man, I'm not even damned. Amen? But he who does not believe, Notice he didn't say he who does not live right. I want you to catch the, the essence of the gospel. It's got nothing to do with what you have done. He who does not cleave to, rely on, trust in him, is judged when? Already. Why? Because you've judged yourself by not including yourself or by not accepting the covenant that Jesus has already paid for. So you are already judged. So God is not going to sit in heaven and judge people and send them to hell. No, they've already judged themselves by rejecting Jesus the Christ and the work that he did on the cross. When he said, paid in full, it is finished. Do you see it? This is the gospel. All you have to do is put your complete 100% trust in him. And as you do that, watch what happens. He's judged already. He has already been convicted and has already received his sentence because he has not believed in and trusted in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He is condemned for refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name. So all you need to do to function in this covenant is to get your full, complete trust and reliance in what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? What did he pay for? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number. But before we go there, let's go to Galatians 3.13. Let's go to Galatians 3.13. Let's see what Jesus paid for. Oh man, this is awesome. I love it. Galatians chapter number 3 verse 13. Galatians 3.13. Watch what it says. It says Christ has. Someone say has. Notice it carries a past tense notion. It says Christ has. It didn't say Christ is trying to. Do you see it? It says Christ has redeemed us. Past tense. That word redeemed means to buy back. (laughs) From the pawn shop of uh, Satan, if you will. You know when uh, those uh, P-A-W-N pawn... Where people take stuff and so on and so forth. Jesus redeemed you from that shop. 
He redeemed you from somewhere and took you to somewhere else. So he says here, Christ has redeemed us, past tense, from the curse. Someone shout, I am redeemed. In fact, that's what the Bible says. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Someone shout, I am redeemed. From the curse. He says, you are redeemed from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Who became a curse for us? Come on, preach with me. Come on, talk to me. <laughs> Jesus became a curse for you. This is what we call the divine exchange that took place on the cross. Man, I'm trying to get you to renew your mind to this. Because when you renew your mind to this, it takes away all fear. Remember, perfect love, matured love, casts out all fear. When you have a perfect love of what Jesus did for you on the cross, all fear will go. And what did he do? It says he redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who what? Hangs on a tree. I didn't hear that. Tree. Come on, church. Y'all sleeping. Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. What is he talking about? He's talking about the cross. He's saying Christ took on the curse when he was hanging on the tree, the cross. So when Jesus walked in the earth for 33 and a half years, he was not cursed. He lived as a blessed man. Spotless, sinless, perfect sacrifice, blessed man of God. And when he went onto the cross, there was a divine exchange. Remember, from 12 in the noon to 3 p.m., there was darkness all over the earth and all of the curses of the world went into his body. And he shouted, it is finished. He dealt a blow to the curse once and for all. So you no longer have to walk around in fear of generational curses. This is where I'm going to with this. Because Jesus has redeemed you. He has brought you back from a place of being cursed. Amen? Where? On the tree, on the cross. He did this, verse 14, for a reason. That the blessing, someone say the blessing. He did this so that the blessing, the enablement, the empowerment to prosper. Then he exchanged the curse and gave you the blessing. That you didn't even deserve. So that the blessing, the empowerment, the enablement to prosper of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Man, this is awesome. We weren't even a part of the plan. How many Jews do I have in the house? So we're all Gentiles? Man, let me tell you. Before the covenant of Jesus, we weren't even a part of the plan. God's family were the children of Israel. And what Jesus did on the cross extended his love all the way across the Jewish communities, all the way into the Gentile communities. Now you and I can also partake of the blessing. And isn't that good news? And he did this all by himself, without your motivation. Man, you didn't have to sing a song of praise and worship for him to get inspired and get excited. Oh man, now I want to die for Tafara. No, he did it all by himself. It was his plan. And this is why I, I don't understand people who just, you know, particularly in the U.S., they, they, they brand everything. Everything is branded. If you try to preach this, they'll brand you something. 
You know, you are a grace preacher. And then if you change and you teach a faith series, you are now, you know, faith. faith Everything is branded. You know, in fact, they did a, a video the one time they took to the streets and they were asking people in Hollywood uh, what they thought of Obamacare. Now, Obamacare is called the Affordable Health Care Act or something. And uh, they were asking people, what do you think of Obamacare? So it's the same thing as the Affordable Health Care Act. So they were asking people, what do you think of Obamacare? And the people were saying, man, I don't like Obamacare. And then they turned around and said, what do you think of the Affordable Health Care Act? Say, man, I like that one. <laughs> but it's the same thing. And this is what the enemy has done. He has brought the same mindset into the church. He brands everything. Have you ever heard uh, of a thing called the prosperity gospel? What that's meant to do is to get you to reject everything that has to do with your welfare that Jesus paid on the cross. That, that, that's meant to get you to throw away the baby together with the dirty bath water. I don't deny that there's some errors in what is uh, so-called the prosperity gospel, but indeed the blessing of God is found in His covenant. Jesus paid the price so that you and I could receive the blessing of Abraham. The empowerment, the enablement to prosper in everything that we do. God wants you to prosper. And this is what the Bible says. It says the blessing of the Lord. What does it do? It makes you rich. There's nothing wrong about being rich. It wasn't my idea. See, people make it seem like it's the preacher's idea. No, it wasn't my idea. It was God's idea. And I see where God is taking it. You know, with what Pastor Henry was preaching here this morning. He said, man, you are blessed to become a... Blessing. The only way you can become a blessing is if you are blessed yourself. You know, when you are flying, uh, the air hostess would get up, and this is what they typically say. You know, in case of an emergency, the air uh, oxygen masks would drop off. Make sure you put on your mask before you attempt to help somebody else. It's the same thing. Make sure you are blessed before you try to become a blessing. In fact, you can't become a blessing if you yourself are not blessed. And this is why he became a curse on the cross so that we might become the blessing. We might receive the blessing of God, which translates into us becoming a blessing to this world. Amen? Amen. So, someone shout, I am blessed blessed. through the finished work work. of the cross. cross. Someone shout, there are no curses curses. in my life. life. I am empowered... To prosper in everything that God has called me to do. And whatever God has called you to do, He has given you the blessing. He has smeared upon you the blessing, the empowerment, the enablement to prosper. And this is the mindset you need to carry. Wherever you go, speak to yourself. I'm blessed. I'm empowered to prosper. Instead of, oh man, where did this come from? I think those generational curses are following me now. I need to go to a generational curses seminar. I need to get some. No, I'm blessed. And let me tell you something else that's even better. He says that he, you can't curse whom God has blessed. You remember the prophets of old, they tried in the book of Numbers. They tried to curse the children of God. Every time he opened his mouth, he spoke a blessing. And he turned around and he said, man, 
I, I can't. Has he spoken? Shall he not do it? I, I, he is blessed. I cannot reverse it. The blessing is more powerful than the curse. And they cannot cohabitate. They are mutually exclusive. If you are a mathematician. <laughs> you know, the blessing is over here and the curse is over here. You can't have both. We make it seem like we have 60% blessing and 40%. No, what are you? Someone shout, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And that's it. So Jesus redeemed you from the curse. You don't have to shut the box anymore. Because there's nothing to fight. Hallelujah. Amen. Isaiah 53 verse 4. Let's look at something else. Thank you, Jesus. Man, this is awesome. I'm redeemed. So that I can prosper in everything that I do. I'm blessed. I'm empowered to win. Watch what it says in uh, Isaiah 53 verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. He's prophesying, speaking of the coming Messiah. As he's hanging on the cross. Surely he bore our griefs. Carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Who? I didn't hear that. When? On the cross. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Notice he didn't say he was wounded for his transgressions. Because he never had a transgression. He was wounded for your transgressions. Hallelujah. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. So the second thing he redeemed us from is sickness and disease. Sickness and disease does not come from God. God does not use sickness and disease to try and get your attention. He does not use sickness and disease to try and get you to follow him. He does not use sickness and disease to teach his children. He redeemed us from all sickness. He brought us back. Man, if you suffer the same thing or embrace the same thing, you are doing what is called double jeopardy. You are paying for something that has already been paid for. Why? Because Jesus redeemed us. There were stripes on his body that he took on his body to redeem us from all sickness. Amen? Now watch what he says in verse 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord was laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now go to 1 Peter 2.24. I want you to keep verse 6 in mind as we go to 1 Peter 2.24. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Peter 2.24-25. It says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. <laughs> What's the tree again? It's the cross. So he took our sins as well. It says, He who bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sins, might live for what? For righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Past tense. So if I was healed, I am healed today. 
Amen? <laughs> verse 25. He quotes verse 26. But with the, uh, verse 6 from Isaiah 53. But with a twist. And I want you to catch this, man. This is awesome. For you were like sheep going astray. Notice in Isaiah verse 6, it says, you are like sheep going astray. And here he says, no, no, no. In the old covenant, back then, you were like sheep going astray. Over here, you are not like sheep going astray. Why? Because you have a shepherd. Oh, man, that's good. That's good. Not only do you have a shepherd, you have a good shepherd. Man, Jesus is the good shepherd. What does he do? He leaves the 99. Anybody here ever uh, looked after cattle or, or sheep or anything or goats? Just lift your hand, anybody? If you lost one and you left the whole head and went to look for that one, when you get home, what would your parents say to you? You are a fool for leaving the 99 to go and look for one. An average shepherd does not leave the 99 to go and look for one. Only a good shepherd. Oh man, he will look for the one and when he finds it out in the dark, in the cold, this is Jesus looking for you, coming after you. When he finds you cold and naked and broken and wounded, what does he do? He will embrace you and not only that, put you on his shoulders and take you back home. Man, you don't even have to walk back home. What has he done? He has delivered the toil. He has delivered you from, from the struggle. From the burden of doing his commandments. Remember what we read last week? That his commandments are not burdensome. Man, when you realize how much God loves you, ministry ceases to be a burden. It takes the, the, the struggle out of ministry. It takes the struggle out of the things that God has called you to do. Why? Because you're just resting on his strength. And he is the one doing the walking. Can you picture it? This is why I don't get tired of what I'm doing. Man, I've met several ministers. I've met lots of them who say, man, I'm burnt out. I'm doing this. I'm trying to, I need a Red Bull. Listen, a Red Bull won't help you. <laughs> you can have ten Red Bulls. It's not going to help you. What will help you is catching that revelation of how much he loves you. Amen. Remember what we read last week? The, the Apostle Paul writing. He says, God has poured his special favor on me. And because of that, I have outworked all the other apostles. Not only that, I've realized that it's not even me doing the work. It is him doing the work. Through me. I'm just resting on his shoulders. And he's the one doing the walking. Why? Because he loves me. Amen. He says we have. We, 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 they were like sheep. Who went astray. We are not like sheep who, go, who are going astray. Why? Because we have a good shepherd. But now we have returned to the shepherd. And the overseer of our souls. Man. The only way you can enjoy this blessing. Is by making Jesus the overseer of your soul. The overseer of your thoughts. When you start thinking in line with what he says in his word. Healing begins to flow in your body. Accidentally. You know, I was talking to someone. They sent me a message just this past week. Someone from Mountbury. And they said, you know, Pastor T, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to get healed. You know, I've been trying to get healed now for six months. And he said, man, um, I've, I've played worship music in my room. I've taken communion in my room. I've, 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 I've done everything that I know to do. I'm still not getting healed. And I said, that's the problem. You're pointing to what you are doing. 
And not a single time did you say anything about what happened on the cross. He was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I am... No, no, not with my playing worship music in my room. No, with his stripes, I get to get healed. So he needs to shift his focus and his attention from self. What did the apostle say? Uh, the apostle Paul said about folk and he says, in and of myself, man, there is no good thing. See, when you look internally, you're always going to fall short. But when you focus on Jesus, he paid the penalty. He paid the price in full. And when you look unto him, who is the author and the finisher of your faith, man, your faith begins to work. Amen? So he redeemed us from sickness. Someone shout, I am redeemed from all sickness. Let's go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Let me show you something about the good shepherd. You know, we only ever read Psalm 23 at the funeral. (laughs) Have you ever noticed? We only ever read Psalm 23 at the funeral. Man, this psalm is not for dead people. It's for you and me. Amen? Amen? Watch what it says. It says, the Lord is my what? Shepherd. And because of that, I shall not want. What does that mean? That means the Lord is the one who leads me. Therefore, I shall never be in want. I shall never be in need. Why? He tells you why. Next verse. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. In other words, He provides for my prosperity. Man, when you renew your mind to this, I'm not talking about just head knowledge and mentally ascending it. I'm talking about catching it as a revelation. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. I will follow him wherever he goes. And this is how the shepherds typically would, uh, 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 you know, lead the, 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 the head of sheep. They would go in the front and all the sheep is doing is just following where the shepherd is going. And let me tell you, when you start following Jesus, wherever he's going, whatever he says in his word, you will never be in want. Why? Because he will make you to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Next verse. He restores my soul. Anybody ever been heartbroken? Just leave your hand. Man, this is why you need a shepherd. Listen, you will restore your soul, even in your soulish realm. Where your mind and your will and your emotions are, he will restore and make it brand new. Next verse. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is awesome. Not only does he give you the gift of righteousness, he also leads you in the path of righteousness. And it's easy to keep his commandments when you make him your shepherd. It will just reproduce after its kind. Man, you no longer have to struggle for sin when you know that you paid the price on the cross and you have received the gift of righteousness for free. Sin will no longer have dominion or control over you. In other words, you will have dominion over sin. Man, right now, I'm preaching to people that have dominion over sin. Now, hunt your neighbor and tell them, don't let sin dominate you. See, you have been made above sin, but you can choose to let sin dominate you. And it's a bad, bad place to be. Next verse. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to pay attention to one word here. He says, though I walk what? Through. He didn't say, yea, though I camp in the valley of the shadow of death. Man, this is an awesome scripture. If you read it in context. He says, though I walk through. Man, I go through it. I don't stay in it and, you know, set up camp. What are we going to do? We're going to stay in the... No. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, what do they do? Ah, man, that's awesome. Next verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup. Man, I don't have a half full or half empty cup. You know the pessimist and the optimist? No, it runs over. my, My cup runs over. He is a running over cup God. My cup runs over. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Next verse. Surely. Someone say surely. Surely. Say one more time. Surely. Notice he didn't say there's a good chance. He says sure thing. Aren't you never tell them sure thing. Sure thing. This is a sure thing. He says surely. (laughs) Goodness. Someone say goodness. Notice he didn't say surely. Death, trepidation and flus. You know, we're going into what they call flu season. No, that's not what he says. He says, surely, goodness, good things. Surely, goodness and mercy shall. He uses a legal term. This is binding. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my... Have you ever seen these celebrities that have... uh, um, uh, bodyguards. You know, when they're just walking around and the bodyguard is following them around. Man, every one of us have two bodyguards. And their names are goodness and mercy. They follow you around all the days. Man, if you go to Zim, you may find someone called goodness. You definitely find a mercy. But man, you may find them in real life. But I'm telling you, man. Goodness and mercy shall follow you around all the days of your life. Man, as long as you are walking in the path of righteousness, as long as you are following the good shepherd, because he leads from the front, guess what? You are following him while goodness and mercy are following you. Everywhere you go. Goodness. Man, this, this psalm is not for dead people. You don't need it when you're in heaven. You need it right here, right now. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me, me now. All of the days, not just in December. Get December, boss. No, no, no. All the days of my life, in January, in March, on Monday, on Tuesday. Man, goodness and mercy are following me wherever I go. All of the days of my life, I will see good things. I will see mercy. Why? Because His mercies are new every single morning. Goodness, good things, man. Good things. 
Then when you renew your mind to this, you will no longer be afraid. Fear will not dominate you. Goodness, good things, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, that is awesome. This is, this is God's thoughts towards you. This is what God thinks of you. Let's go to Psalm 8. We're going to deal with the other stuff uh, next week. I just want to show you what God thinks of you. Let's go to Psalm 8 uh, from verse 3 to 9. Thank you, Jesus. He says, when I look at the night sky, or when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers. Man, the heavens is the work of his fingers. The moon and the stars which you have ordained. Next verse. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. You have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Stay there, stay there. Go back, go back. Stay there. I want, you to, I want to show you something here. The translators translated the word angels incorrectly. You know why? Because back in the day when they were asked to translate the, word, the words from uh, uh, Hebrew to English with the first translation, if you made a mistake, the penalty was death. So they read this word angels, it's the word Elohim, which simply means God. They read it, and they convened, and they said, man, we can't put God. We can't put God has made man a little lower than himself. We can't put that. But watch what it says in the NIV and in the New Living Translation. Next, uh, verse 4. Verse 4, please. Verse 5, verse 5, verse 5. Watch what it says. Yet you have made them a little lower than who? Did you see it? He says, what is man? That you have made him just a little lower than God. He created you in his image and in his likeness and made you. And not only did he make you a little lower than himself, he crowned you with curses. With struggle, with the baptism of fire. Man, man, when you catch God's intentions for you, it changes your whole perception. He made you a little lower than himself and crowned you with glory and honor. Everywhere you go, you have a crown on your head called glory and honor. Next verse. You have... You gave them charge over everything you made. Someone, <laughs> someone shout, I am large and in charge. Man, he says you gave them charge over everything you made. Putting all things under their authority. This is what Jesus has done. He has put all things under your authority. Next verse. The flocks and the herds and all the wild animals. The birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. Man, he says you've put them under their authority. There are some people who really believe these verses. Have you ever seen these people that go shark diving and when they say, oh yeah, you've made everything, I'll do it. <laughs> they take it literally. Man, he has put everything under your authority. Next verse. 
O Lord, our God, majestic, your majestic name fills the earth. This is God's intention. This is what God thinks of you. If you read in Luke 12 verse 7, it says he knows the numbers of hair on your head. It doesn't get personal than that. He knows the number. Some of us are, you know, growing more hair. Some of us are losing it. <laughs> but he can still keep count. Why? Because he is personal with you. He loves you. See, when we say these things, that if you were the only person in the earth, Jesus would have still come to die for you, we're not just saying stuff, man. God is personal with you. He says, aren't you more precious than the sparrows? You are more precious than a herd of sparrows. He knows the number of hairs on your head. It changes every hour. And he knows exactly what number is in your head. Why? Because he's personal with you. Amen? And if he's personal with you like that, he will certainly pay your bills. Amen? Amen. He will certainly take care of your rent. He will certainly take care of the things that are bothering you right now. Psalm 37, verse 23. Man, God loves you. We make it seem like faith is an, is an attempt to overcome God's reluctance. Over the years, man, we've made it seem like faith is, a, is an attempt, man, to overcome his reluctance to help you. We make it feel, seem like God's hand is just, we have to, you know, unwrap or unwrangle it and, you know, get him to move on our behalf. No, God has already moved on your behalf. Amen. You know, we say things like, let's put people together so we can bombard the gates of heaven. You know, take him unawares while God is just chilling on his couch, just minding his own business. And then 10,000 people come in. Shanda Mashekere! And then God is like, oh, what am I going to do? Just bless them, bless them. Oh, they caught me unawares. No. <laughs> Let's bombard the gates of heaven. No, you ain't got to bombard nothing. Hey, Amen? Man, he's mindful of you. In fact, the Bible says he has his... He has your name tattooed in his hand. Let me show it to you. Go to Isaiah 46. Some of you think I'm just talking. He has your name tattooed in his hand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Can someone find it for me? I think it's Isaiah 46. 49 verse. Isaiah 49 verse. Verse 16. Please give me Isaiah 49 16. Thank you, Jesus. Watch what he says. He says, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Give it to me in the New Living Translation. Man, this dude, he's working for you. He says, I've written your name on the palms of my hands. Always. Someone say always. Always, always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls and ruins. God is constantly, consistently thinking of you. Give it to me in the NIV, please. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Man, this sounds like God has a picture of you in his hand. This is why Jesus said, This God knows the things that you are in need of before you even open your mouth to pray. Why? Because he's personal with you. He pays a special attention to you. And you need to receive this revelation if you're going to function optimum in what God has called you to do. Amen? You need to know that God loves you. Someone shout, God loves me. Hunt your neighbor and tell them, and terms and conditions don't apply. Terms and conditions don't apply. 
See, that's what the word agape means. It means unconditional love. God doesn't say, you know, make, jump over 15 hoops first and then I'll see if I love you. No, it's got nothing to do with you. Remember John 3, 16 to 18? It's got everything to do with what covenant he cut with his son, Jesus the Christ. Man, it is like going into a court. And you owe, you know, the, 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 the courts uh, 15000 In fact, you go in there for a speeding fine, for a speeding uh, crime. You know, like Chuck. Where is Chuck? <laughs> you go in there, and then they bring you in, and the, the judge says, I find you guilty. 15,000 rand. And then he says, oh, but before you pay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come around from being a judge and I'm going to pay the fine for you. So he comes around and he becomes the penalty for the fine. And he pays the fine for you. He is just for showing you that you are guilty and is gracious for paying the fine for you. Not just paying it, overpaying it for you. So that you can walk out freely. Oh, I sentenced you to life imprisonment. And then he comes around and he says, but I will serve the temp. You can walk out freely. That's what Jesus did. You and I were guilty. Remember Romans 3.23? For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us sinned, fell short, but Jesus paid the price. Now you and I can walk freely. And that's the good news. That's awesome. This will make you want to live more for God. This will just make God live through you. Amen? Amen. Psalm 37, verse 23 to, to 26. So faith is not, I'm twisting God. Faith is not overcoming his reluctance to save. He says, my arm is not too short. I can save. Amen? Amen. Verse 23. Watch what it says. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Give it to me. Go back. 23. Give it to me in the New Living Translation. I want you to see something here. He says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. And what does he do? Come on, read with me. Man, some of you never saw God in this light. He thought he was angry, sitting in heaven, waiting to strike you. <laughs> Cricket. <laughs> now you're waiting for God to just <laughs> hit the wickets and you're out. No. It says he delights in everything. Some of you think God is not interested in your hurts. You think God is not interested in your bills. You think God is not interested in your promotion. No. God delights in every detail of your life. Every detail of your life. And this is the mindset. Man, you, you, you're going to have to renew your mind to this. And start thinking in light of this. Not only does he direct your steps, he delights in every detail of your life. Anything that concerns you right now, God wants to find himself in it, fixing it. Every detail of your life. Next verse. Verse 24. This is the righteous man. Uh, King James Bible. New King James, please. Though ye fall, the righteous man, ye shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him in his hand. 
Man, he carries you in his hand. Any of you have ever walked with children, you know, holding their hands? When they trip and they're about to fall, do you let them go so they can learn the lesson? (laughs) He's just walking with this little... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's how religion has taught that this is God's nature. Now he says, I uphold you. When they trip, he even elevates them. Most of you parents in here, when the children trip and they're about to fall, you lift them up. Amen? Next verse. I have been young. This is a testimony. I have been young and now I'm old. What is he talking about? I have observed this for a very long time. Since my youth up. So if you were doing a research, one of the qualities your research must carry is length of time. You can't just say, you know, I went to four years more and today I'm going to, you know, determine that uh, uh, this country is so and so and so and you just did the research for one day. No, it has to be over a long period of time while you're observing behavior. So this qualifies as an adequate research. Why? Because you observed it over a long period of time. I've been young and now I'm old and not one day. Not a single day. Have I seen the righteous forsaken? Who are the righteous? I am. Someone shout, I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. See, Christ declared you righteous. And when he says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, he's talking about you. Religion will tell you, okay, wait to become righteous. No, I'm already righteous. Because my righteousness is not of my works. It is of his works. So he's talking about you. I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his children or descendants begging for bread. Why? Because he amply supplies for me. And not only does he delight in every detail of your life. He makes sure that you are amply supplied for. That all your needs are met. Man, this is the God. This is God's intention towards you. This is what the Bible says about you. This is what your redemption entails. God will uphold you in his hand. And not only that, he will provide for you. Why? Because you have been declared righteous in Christ. Was that awesome? Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, I am blessed. Someone shout, I am healed, and I live, and I walk in divine health. Shout, I receive it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the redemption of the cross. Father, we thank you that we are blessed. Lord, we thank you that we are empowered to prosper. Lord, we thank you that we are empowered to prosper in the marketplace. We are empowered to prosper in the ministry. Lord, we thank you, Father, for you have given us an empowerment. You have spoken favor for us to prosper, for us to win. Father, we thank you that there are no curses on our lives, only the blessing which makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. No sorrow in our lives, no fear, no worry and no anxieties. 
in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you are mindful of us. We thank you, Lord, that you delight in every detail of our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you have engraved our names in the palm of your hand. We thank you that we are now in Christ a precious, prized possession in you. Father, we thank you that we are not orphans, but we are sons. And therefore, we can call you Father. Lord, right now, I pray that as the hearers that heard the word are receiving the revelation, Lord, I thank you that you are delivering them from fear. You are delivering them from all insecurity. Father, we, are, we thank you that you are delivering them from all uh, inferiority and condemnation. All of the sense of guilt. We thank you, Father, that you are delivering them from the curses of the world in their soulish realm. Lord, we thank you that they will walk out of here knowing beyond their knower that they are blessed. That they are empowered to prosper. And that no curse can stick on their lives. Lord, we thank you that you are delivering them from all sickness, all ailments incurable diseases are going right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that these are able bodies. Lord, we thank you that these are divine carriers of your covenant. Your covenant of grace. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We love because you first. You first. You first loved us. You crowned us with glory and honor. And Lord, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Everyone else, we love you. Greet three or thirty people. Remember these words from Second Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. God bless you all.